Welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Firon. As I'm thinking of this conversation, I just finished with Brian Hennigan, who is a site and project manager for incredibly tall buildings in New York City. The song came to my head, higher and higher, higher and higher. (laughs) It's it's such a treat because I've known Brian since he was my student back in the previous century. And he got started very surprisingly uh, with this company that clads window systems and exteriors for skyscrapers called Primers to Lisa. And he had his first project and we connected about it, talked about it, I brought it to my class. This is a long time ago now. And here we are 20 years later. And he had just finished this extraordinarily beautiful building. One Vanderbilt, I think it's called, uh, down near one of the two rivers, I think it's the Hudson. Uh, it's an extraordinary piece of work, and, he, and it took him three years of steady, steady work. You'll hear all about that kind of work when you listen to Brian speak, which I should let you get to very quickly. But I, I think if all the ways that I could put a human being in the definition of, of practice, of practice, it would be Brian. Because as you'll hear, he sees everything that needs to be done with whom keeps everything in a system and moving forward constantly moving forward integrating and checking and making sure everything is just right which it has to be on a building that goes up that far into the air and he loves it I teased and said well wouldn't you like to not do that maybe put on a white shirt and tie and be corporate No, he says, I want to be in, I want to be in it. I want to see it all coming together. That's practice right there. And he's learning constantly. So this is a a great example of what Peter Vale and I set out to, to offer you all when we introduced how important practice is in the scheme of things, in your life, in the scheme of things, including going higher and higher and higher uh, putting windows and exteriors on incredibly, amazingly complex buildings. So this is Brian Hannigan. Well, I'm off to my old tricks, folks. I, I would love to meet new people for the podcast, and I am. I'm recording some coming up. But in the meantime, I my, my, new, my old trick is to go back to favorite students i don't know brian if you knew you were one of my favorites but you were it's okay now i can tell you and and he was a brian hannigan when he was my student we had a crummy old building he came in at night uh i tried to do things remember brian was some media only media back then was like a projector (laughs) you had a reel on it and i tried to show a film we didn't have smartphones Oh, my God. Uh, but uh, Brian persisted and uh, graduated. And just after graduation, not much longer after graduation, he started working initially as a temp, right, Brian, as Permers to Lisa? Permers to Lisa, North America, yeah. And I was it still called that because I think there were yeah. a couple of name changes that went along with your career. Yeah, actually, it was uh, 
Permastilisa cladding technologies, and it's evolved into uh, Permastilisa in North America for, I don't know, maybe the last 10, 10 or so years. Have they diversified beyond cladding, or is that still their main thing? Uh, we do curtain wall, we do ornamental metal, um, entrances, um, and then we also do some interiors, uh, you know, office partitions and you know, office spaces, but primarily right now it's the high-end building facades. I mean, we get into, we get into a lot of the ornamental glass, ornamental metal, and, you know, we have different divisions. We have a, a German division that's top of the line, you know, world-class when it comes to, to these ornamental metal structures, art pieces almost, uh, you know, mm. like in Manhattan and uh, Hudson Yards, the, the vessel, which is oh yeah i've seen pictures of that just difficult and tedious and you know you need these guys that are able to work on swiss watches in order to install wow so the folks the 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 saga is that um brian was a temp in this particular plant and they were watching the assemblies and to make a long rambling story short, he got tapped on the shoulder one day uh, and offered a chance to stay with the company and uh, become, get into the project management practice stream. But it's kind of like they push you out a little bit, but they didn't give you too much of a life preserver or a rope, did they, when they pushed you down to Times Square that first time? No, no, it was kind of, you know, here's a contract, here's a spec, here's some drawings, here's a list of material, and go find your way on the train and go figure it out. Yeah, and you did. Thank yeah. goodness. So we 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 having a conversation about a different practice, but that that was a very unique specialty for almost anyone in the world to have uh, these tall structures getting taller. It seems every time I connect with you, uh, where you were part of a very hopefully tightly woven system that it took of the various contractors and and all of the various elements to either build these buildings from ground from the below ground up or in some cases uh start you know renewing them and resurfacing them and all that uh and we we've talked off and on and i brought you to class often uh, about what it is to have a project nature <laughs> and I'm, I'm imposing that it's you almost have to have a nature you can't just be cerebral it can't just be specs on paper you actually have to be a project personality absolutely it's, what do you think of that does that make sense yeah absolutely i mean every every project that i've i've worked on i mean for the past 20 years um every project is different every team of people you deal with is different the materials are different the you know the geometries are different the logistics are different the you know even you know in manhattan there's you know different areas of manhattan that are more difficult to maneuver in and around and That's right you know you have to deal with uh you know traffic or you know whoever's in town if they shut down streets and uh embargoes where you can't put a crane on a street during certain you know christmas or holiday seasons or so everything is is moving tons of different parts and then you just have a a big team of people to coordinate everything with whether it be the the general contractor the owner the architect but then there's 20 other building trades that 
all kind of play into the overall project, but you know, the slightest of changes, if we need to change something on our side uh, to make a detail work and we have to change, you know, say the thickness of the, the depth of the wall system that will translate into changing plumbing systems or elevator, you know, so it, it can, there's a, a trickle down effect on everybody that's involved between putting the structure up and then putting the skin on the building which is, you know, my part mm-hmm. and then building out the rest of the, of the, the floor, you know, or the, every floor. So it's a lot of coordination. It's a lot of communication, a lot of aggravation sometimes mm-hmm. we get there, you know, it, we, we live it every day and, you know, somehow find the motivation to come to work every day and want to get the job done. That's what I think I mean by you are a project guy, big P because you it, with all the change there's there's a stabilizer that has to be a human stabilizer mm-hmm. uh a come back to guy a go-to guy a guy who gets out ahead and then pulls people along on behalf of the project not mm-hmm. just your own companies um exterior cladding and window systems you and a few others uh who have these major parts of the installation you, you guys have to be you know, steady eddies in a way. And, and you can't, I can't imagine, you know, you're frustrating, but I can't imagine how it would be if you guys were the loud, uh, blowing your top, freaking out kind of people that, that would indicate that the project's in trouble. Right. So part of what you got to do, Brian, kind of hold it in. Right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, we, so we we always try to keep everything to what the design intent is and you know there's always going to be different nuances of a of a building that you know the architect will come up with a design and and uh, the engineer is going to uh do a pre-design of of what they believe is, is will work um and then they you know when we come on board onto a job i mean they basically hire us to to make the the wall work to make it work for you know seismic performance and and wind and wa- rain you know water and wind and everything um that's what they hire us for and that's why you know permanent lease is historically always we've always had the best engineers and the best designers um hopefully the best project managers <laughs> i would add that i would you know, add that. Um, you know but to try to just bring everything together and you know not lose focus on where where the priority is, you know, the end goal is uh, to have a successful project and, you know, make the client happy and then have a beautiful looking building at the end of the day. So we've done pretty well throughout the course of, you know, the course of my 20 years. You, you know. sure have. When we had a conversation recorded a while ago now, you had just been um, finishing up the Vanderbilt. Was it Vanderbilt? Yeah, one Vanderbilt Tower, yeah. Right. And I remember looking on the web and looking at that and thinking, wow, that is a work of art. That's a beautiful building. And it is. It, it might be number one on my my list of of best projects uh, that I've ever done. You know, I'm a little bit biased to it, of course, but. No, listen, um, it, it was it, it is beautiful and functional. But when uh, when it was done. Uh, how did that feel? You know, no more rush, no more, no more uh, punch things to do. It's done. It was a little cut. <laughs> it was it was a little bittersweet. I mean, you know, I I was 
I, I lived the job for three straight years, you know, on site. I mean, I would have dreams and nightmares sometimes of panel counts of how many, you know, how many panels we were going to install in a day or, or getting, you know, just panels delivered to the job site. Um, so, you know, when it, when it, when we finished, it was kind of like, all right, well, now what? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now what am I going to do? <laughs> um, but uh, I'll, I'll tell you the, it was back in October, just this past October, um, the observation deck, uh, which is a three floor observation deck in the building. Uh, mm. they, they opened the observation deck. So we got tickets and we went, um, went up to, you know, take a walk through. And that was like, it was cool. It was just to be able to, to stand there in the, the finished building, see the views. I mean, I had seen the views a thousand times, yes, you had. but to see it in the condition and in like the light of how I was looking at it, it, it was incredible. It was just, it was something that, you know, it was something I was certainly proud of. Um, you know, I'm still proud of it. I see the building every day. Yeah. It's a beautiful building. It's going to be here for, you know, a hundred years, if not more. And, you know, just, I will say, if you have the opportunity to come, go up to this observation deck and take a look. Because <laughs> but maybe I get when my wife and I get over our fear of, of the latest variants, we we you know we that would be a, a real treat. It definitely was a proud moment for myself to to stand in that building and you know to show my friends and my girlfriend who was with me that you know this is what we did. This is a huge accomplishment. It was extremely difficult, you know, project. Um, but I mean, I had a great team of people that were, you know, working for us and installing and engineers and designers and production planners and everybody that was around us that everybody came through. Everybody just stepped up and did what they needed to do. And, you know, we had a good team of project managers, myself and a couple of the guys. Actually, uh, you had actually maybe you didn't have him as a student, but he's I think right now he might be graduating from the business school at Central. Really? Uh, yeah, his father was actually, you know, the the other my counterpart on on the projects, you know, working on the project management side. So I might have had his father in school. That's how old I am. But I, I um, don't, and, and, and think of that coincidence of how that works. And here's his you. I think of as a kid from Connecticut, one of the very few human beings on earth who's ever done what you've done with that particular building. And I know we'll talk about some others, but that. That in itself is mind-boggling. Um, and the other is that almost every time that I've had one of these conversations with people I knew or didn't know, somehow or another, they know someone from CCSU, from Central Connecticut State University. That's yeah. weird. Well, we do have over 90,000 living graduates out there in the world. But as a small regional campus, compared to some of the major universities all around, particularly there in the city, you still come across people, one of whom, uh, Samantha Giava. Oh, yeah. Is uh, she's a podcast uh, about five or six episodes ago? She left Permastilisa, went to Chile. That's right. Yeah. South America. Yep. Came back, married with two kids, with two yeah. girls. Yeah. I think she had just gotten married and maybe was like having her first kid or something when she left Perma. Isn't, um, that, isn't that great? Yeah. Yeah. 
and hit, you know, hit Chile working for a German company and back here and now her territory for this particular uh, specialized software that she represents is North America. So she's from the Arctic Circle, you know, down to down to Mexico. And, you know, she was a, a friend of yours and, and pretty much a contemporary at Central. And I, again, more and more people, which is very satisfying for the work that I did all those years just to see you coming out and doing stuff like what you did. In fact, uh, in one of the conversations I recorded with Peter Vale, when he was still alive, he died two years ago. I was telling him about you and telling him about your enthusiasm and, 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 uh, you know, how you were being able to do all of this system dynamic work, you know, real time, real systems. Yeah. And I remember him saying something like, Oh, when are we going to get to, when are we going to get Brian on with the two of us? <laughs> and, just, and we didn't. Make yeah, it. yeah. But he was fascinated with how you did your work. I think you were, I also mentioned that you were working from a shack back then you called it yeah. and, and on that building and, and you had invited, you had invited me to come down and see it. You said, I'll, I'll take you up on the elevator, you know, 34th, 35th floor. So you can see. And I, I chickened out right away. <laughs> and I remember Peter laughing and saying, Peter was, I would have gone. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it can definitely uh, make your legs tremble going up some of these heights. That's oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's just one of the, other, the many things you, you have to you know, manage and overcome. Now, that was done that your team disperses somewhat. Then now, you know, particularly down through the rest of the COVID time, uh, hopefully soon it'll be over. What other things have you done to keep your chops? Uh, I mean, now, I mean, I guess I was saying before, right now, at least in the New York market, we're kind of in a, a little slowdown as far as new projects coming on. Multiple reasons, just, uh, you know, the labor, labor is very expensive and, you know, certain jobs, we're trying to be a little bit more selective of the projects that we're going for. Mm -hmm. um, so we're, we're taking out a lot more work out on the West coast, uh, down in Miami area, Boston area, Washington, DC. So, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm more glued to the Northeast area, New York, maybe go up to Boston or something like that. But, um, for the past like year and a half or so, I've been kind of been in this phase of helping older projects that have been going on for three, four or five years. And they're in the very final stages of, you know, closing out, uh, just basically trying to go in and help troubleshoot some of the problems that we're having, you know, whether it be, we don't, we don't install anything perfectly. So, I mean, we get some buildings that have leaks, whether it be air or water, um, just things that were done whether it be just like a, a workmanship issue or poor detailing, um, or whatever the case may be, but just going in trying to pinpoint or diagnose or troubleshoot where, where problems are coming from and then try to fix them. Um, hmm. So this, this one particular building that's been my, my main focus is Central Park Tower, which is uh, just 57th Street, uh, just south and Central Park South. And it's uh, 100 and... Uh, 100 floors or so about 1500 foot tall and it's luxury apartment units so i mean the, the units go anywhere i guess 10 million to a couple hundred million
million dollars on you know the, what these units cost. So the people that are going in there, they they're they're buying top of the line. So a little fussy if there's a leak in their window. Probably <laughs> the 80th floor. <laughs> yeah, it's a little hard to tell tell somebody. Yeah, don't worry about that. No, I know, but that then it's every reason to be to be fussy. But that that is uh, in itself. Uh, now, did you guys do the original cladding on that? And yeah, we just. Yeah, we did all the original design, all the windows, you know, there's some operable or not some, there's quite a few, a uh, couple thousand of like operable window units, mm -hmm. uh, doors and, you know, terrace door, terraces that are in various levels throughout the building that, you know, doors that go out over the course of construction, you know, people open them or misuse them, abuse them. So we're, we go back, we have to fix everything. And, you know, we do it one time, two times, sometimes 10 times, you know, keep going back and fixing and fixing. And hopefully nothing ever comes off the building because that's our the biggest fear is that, you know, something fails and then there's a casualty. So, yeah, um, absolutely. There's a lot of security they have to work about. Right. So it's just been, I mean, it, it, it's kind of a new area for me it, it coming yeah, in. I was going to ask you, this is a kind of a new learning curve for you. It, it, definitely, it definitely is because it's it's something that's, you know, like I said, a job that maybe started six years ago that I wasn't a part of all throughout. And now it, I come on board when it's 99% complete. And of course, everybody's turning around looking at you saying, okay, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Like, I don't even know. <laughs> you got to give me a minute, you know? Yeah, so, um, you know, so you just dive into the details and uh, find the information and lean on the people that have been on the job for, you know, an extended amount of time that know. So, mm -hmm. you know, luckily we have a few of those people still hanging around with us that, you know, I can go back to and kind of get led in the right direction. Kind of at the end of the day, I mean, it's it's curtain wall. So the design and the intent of everything is always similar. I won't say it's the same, but it's similar. Um, where we can, if we have a problem, we're able to, you know, by looking at the details and looking at the devil that's in the details, we can narrow down how to resolve any issue. Um, so that's kind of what we've been doing on, you know, two different projects that I've been involved on for the past year or so. Um, you know, it's not great, but you know, it's, it, it keeps it going. <laughs> Yeah, you got to buy all those expensive baseball uniforms for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want the best cleats. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so it, it's another way of learning. It's another way of keeping you where you want to be. Is there any chance that there would be something in Boston or something that pops up that you can go back to your build it from scratch kind of uh, like yeah I mean, that's that's the uh that's the hope and that's the dream you know yeah get back yeah. on to get on to something that's uh you know a new project uh, that we could take from the ground and go up and you know take everything that we've you know learned and over the you know or myself for the past 20 years that you know what what's gone right what's gone wrong and you know, hopefully get it all into that one side of the pile that says, you know, we're going to do everything right and, you know, not have any problems, have a successful job. You know, the, the do right pile is very important. Did, do you have over these 20 years uh, developed some kind of a way of, you know, like leaving notes or some kind of organized way of 
leaving a track so that like for you now going back to the original project manager stuff look in and see in paper or now on screen what might have been going on at that particular point in the building or something of that nature so, so a little knowledge management i guess you call it yeah i, would, I wouldn't say i have it organized but i mean somewhere up here and along with the other you know group of minds that we have you know working for us um Basically, I mean, at the end of every job, we always do, you know, a postmortem mm. where we'll discuss the rights, you know, what went right, what went wrong and what, you know, where were the problems or what did we do really well? Um, and we try to always carry that on. And, you know, we luckily we've been able to retain, you know, some really good talent with our company on all, on all sides of uh, of every department, you know, starting at like our estimating and tendering. Um, you know, who are able to, you know, they, they know the equipment, they know the, the restrictions on any certain, uh, project or a site, uh, with whatever it could be and just carry on, you know, just a lessons learned type, uh, mentality, I guess you could say that, mm -hmm. you know, knowing in doing it early on, getting involved early on doing like a peer review um of of drawings starting at like a system design type uh phase uh and then carry that into we always do a mock-up we always do full-scale mock-ups whether it be a visual mock-up or even and then we into a performance mock-up um where usually those the performance mock-up those details will carry into the project taking those lessons learned right from that system design phase into the mock-up and then into the job that you know we try to just minimize mistakes, minimize compl overly complex designs or, you know, um, something that that we can see, you know, oh, that's going to be a problem that, that that's going to result in a leak. I think, just, I think of that architect mentioned complex designs. Who's the one who designed the uh, Disney Opera House in L.A.? And uh, uh, Frank, Frank Gary. Yeah. Have you, have, you, have you ever done any of his buildings? I did. I did one uh, right here in Manhattan. The um, IAC headquarters. Oh wow! Which is I, I picture if you talk about challenges, you know, this is tipped here and that's <laughs> down yeah, there. Yeah, it's, he, I mean, he's just one of the great architects that you know are coming up with these complex designs. I mean, everybody. It's I guess I guess it's the nature of the architect is you know they're trying to one up the next guy. You know the oh, guy. Yeah. So, you know whether it be on height or yeah. uh, just on you know geometry. And it's been the reason, you know, why Permascalise has, you know, been on the map for so long is we, we've always been known that we can do uh, the best and the most complex projects. Um, that's, you know. a, that's a great, that's a great uh, uh, security uh, for, for, for the company. And, and we don't know in the next months uh, how anything's going to change or on the verge of uh, whatever that'll mm -hmm. end up being over there in uh, in Eastern Europe, but no matter what, I think there's a uh, an ambition that seems to exist among people who visualize that they want to place a building on Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, and everyone will say it's impossible. You'll never raise the money. But then they you know, they pass the hat, <laughs> raise an incredible amount of money. Yeah, uh, and next thing you know, they'll either pull something down and replace it on that footprint, or they'll, 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 another building will come up. I, I think that's been the 
if you wanted to do a visual of New York City from when it was owned by the Dutch and taken away from the natives and, and looked at the different sizes as they've raised, folks, I'm you know pulling my hands up here. That's sort of uh, incredible uh, energy of that city. It's, it's amazing. Even just in my short time in in this city, just seeing the way that the skyline has changed, you know, you know, from even five, 10 years ago. Um, you know, I, I remember being over next to Hudson Yards when it was a hole, you know, it was the train tracks. And now you look at it, it's a city within the city. It, it's incredible what's happened over in that area. Um, and it's, it's beautiful. You know, the, the buildings are absolutely beautiful. So, um, but it's, it's all over the city. There's so many buildings that have gone up, a lot of famous and, and, you know, landmark buildings that have come down, uh, in order to build these new mega towers. Uh, you know, it's, it's something definitely, it's exciting to see, you know, it's definitely, definitely, uh, Definitely exciting. I don't know any other word to say. No, no, it is. Did you ever watch the Jetsons when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the near Metropolis, which is supposed to be New York, but it was basically in space. Yeah. And, uh, and they, if they wanted to build a building, I think they had a, 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 a gun-like thing, and they would just <laughs> hold the gun up, you know, raise the, the beam of the gun, and the yeah. building would just grow you know yeah. you couldn't go that way <laughs> maybe they had a lot of influence on you right? yeah. <laughs> the jetsons judy jetson george jetson jane jetson who was a kid no i don't remember the no. dog oh will you see what happens you're you're you're, you're aging you're aging i'm, dri I'm drifting off <laughs> <laughs> but um i i would run a little bit more ahead uh now um you you have i don't know i'm guessing maybe 40 more years <laughs> 40 more years i don't know i'll, I'll get it 10 for the time <laughs> if you stopped at 10 you, you see this gray hair i didn't have this gray hair no i'm noticing man you're, you're aging like crazy uh, <laughs> if you stopped in 10 you know for hard stop i'm done that last building shake the team's hand what would you do? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I'd like to think I'd go golfing and 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 go to the beach or travel, but mm. I don't know. I I don't think I'm ever going to be able to sit still. You know? I can't. You are you are like a, a project with feet. I mean, you have just the right makeup yeah. uh, and orientation. So I, I, I'm guessing if you stop doing the work you're doing, you'd still want to be in some kind of way making stuff in some capacity, go up in the air, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and that, you know, whether it be on a consulting type uh, basis yeah. or what, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't see that I'm ever going to be able to give this up. It's I, I really do enjoy it as, as frustrating as some days it can be. You know, I do enjoy doing it. I have a great team of people that I work with. So, you know, we uh, we have fun. We try to have fun, at least. You know? <laughs> and and would, would you picture yourself in 10 years wearing a white shirt, short sleeves with a skinny tie? No. Nah. Pocket uh, thing for your for your pens and your and your pencil. I put my blue jeans on. He's a jeans and t-shirt guy, and he's got he's got what we used to call in Maine shit kicker boots. 
So yeah. that's not you, you because you can go back up to Windsor or go wherever the company yeah. has, and you could put the shirt on and kick back and yeah. write you know, memos. That, and that's, that's not me. <laughs> I like to be in the heat of the heat of the you know I'm heat of the battle. <laughs> yeah, no, I, and I've never been able to you know managing the the projects that we do. You know, even, you know, I, I made the transition from being the office side into the field side you know, over that, yeah. right before the, the Vanderbilt job. But even before then, it was these jobs are too complex and there's too many moving pieces and you can't manage them, you know, remotely and have them be successful. You have to be in it every day and, and you know, hands on, you know, seeing what's going on on the jobs every single day, what's what other trades are doing or, or just the conditions around uh, what's going to impact our work or how we're impacting somebody else's work. And it, it all kind of plays into the game that we have to play, you know, whether it be a, a nice game or, you know, you know, hopefully we're always playing nice in the sandbox with each other, but you know, sometimes somebody throws some sand and, you know, we have to, we have to get a little nasty, but, it is what it is. You can't you can't do that if you're if you're remote and, and not in. So oh, I, I love that. I think that's a that's a huge insight in regard to what what practice can mean to some people like you. You got to be in it, mm-hmm. and and you got to be in it in, in in a way. If you if if you had eyes, all the eyes in the back of your head and so forth. I found out by watching TV that the monarch butterfly has like 16 eyes Mm -hmm. and it can see constantly everything and every angle from front to back. Now that would be a cool addition to the Brian Hennigan look, wouldn't it? (laughs) But it's almost the same feeling. He, he or she, the the fly has to have that in order to um, choose the right places to get their nectar and, and watch out for predators and look after the, their fellow monarch. And, and I kind of get that feeling about the way you're describing being in it. And, and, and it's funny you say that because as the project manager for, you know, a job like what we do, you know, we, we handle the building facade and schedule is everything. Budget is everything you know, and, and everything coming together when it's supposed to. So, you know, I'm here on the job, I'm talking to the architect, the owner, the GC, but then on internal side, dealing with the production side and the engineering and design side and trying to, to take all the information from every angle and put it all together. So, you know, realistic uh, timeframes or expectations can be, given to both every side, right? There's no sense in trying to hide anything. If we're going to be late with material because uh, a a supply chain is, is delayed glass or aluminum right now, there's major, major, every material right now is 30 weeks or more to get it. It's awful. So when a, when a client is, is screaming down and breathing down our throat because we're either late or, or not staying on, on target on the schedule, you know, to be able to take that information back to the team internally and say, hey guys, this is what's happening on site. They're accelerating or there's a delay or we're right on track, which never happens. Um, <laughs> you know, um, but then being able to take the information from the, our internal side and, and, and convey that back to the client. So there's no, 
you know, we're transparent with everything, you know, or try to be transparent with anything. Because like I said, there's no sense in, in trying to, to hide anything and pull the wool over their eyes. They're smart people. But I mean, you know, we're on top of that mountain and we see everything. So, you know, just bringing all the information together and like I said, just driving the team to, to know what the goal is and every milestone along the way um, that hopefully we meet those milestones and we deliver our product in, on time, we install on time. And you know, have a happy hot, have a happy client. So, oh, that that, that is uh, that's sweet, and that is the that's business right there. You just described you described business, whether it's stocking grocery shelves or putting up a hundred and twenty story uh, building. It, it, it is about making sure that at the moment that someone wants to pick something off that shelf or to take the elevator up to their twenty million dollar um, single bedroom place yeah. uh that it all works that's it and so it, it does come back to the final test which is how people experience your your work and i i am i i can't tell you how i've been teasing you about putting on the white shirt and the tie <laughs> there are a lot of good people who wear those shirts and ties and they have their role too but i i i do think though that if you had to um, not be doing the window systems and the cladding work. All that you've learned to do, you could pick it up and place it in the middle of something else just as complex and somewhat crazy, but very much re re uh, re requiring someone who's steady and can see all of it. Mm -hmm. Maybe you'd be, ba you'd be building uh, uh, the next uh, section of whether the, the the uh, space uh, shuttle or whatever it might be, but it's usually very complex, very time driven, high stakes, lots of money at stake. Uh, there'll always be a need for someone like you, Brian. Yeah, I hope so. So I know so. I'm positive. Uh, before we end, I, I, I certainly want you to explain to the listeners that everything you've learned about management, you learned in. MGT three oh two ninety five with me. Oh yeah, I remember. <laughs> there <it> was <laughs> back with that movie projector and my chalky blackboard. Uh, I I I could only just give you a peek at what your life was ahead, uh, but uh, I never could have imagined anyone who has done so much in such a short time. Really, uh, what a great story you have! What a great story you're going to be able to tell your your great grandchildren someday. No, hopefully, uh, Mike. I, whenever I talk about any of this to my kids, or if they hear me on a phone call, they're like, "Dad, what language are you talking? <laughs> like, what are you talking?" About? <laughs> so, I think they know. They yeah. know that you, they got a smart dad, and they probably can't pull the wool over your eyes, <laughs> as my as my folks used to say. You can't pull the wool over our eyes. Yeah, I know what they do before they even do it. There you go. There you go. Well, this has been great. I appreciate it very much. And uh, while I'm, I'll be hanging, you know, turning off the recording in a moment. I, I definitely want to thank you again. You got it. I appreciate it. It was fun. If you'd like to hear more, listen in on Spotify, Automatic, and Apple Podcasts, or go to inactionresearch.com slash podcast dash page. And if you'd like to learn more about social inaction and the nature of practice, head over to inactionresearch.com for more information. Thank you for supporting this show. We look forward to hearing from you soon.